Hi, and welcome to episode 31 of Walk to Work. Uh, just take a second to put my gloves back on because it's kind of chilly here in Edinburgh this morning. Oop, there we go. So, uh, yeah, today I wanted to talk uh, on what is the fourth and final-ish episode on uh, my experience teaching at Biblu's 2018. So, um, workshop concept uh, of eight hours over two days uh, in immersion with four teachers. So, all four teachers are moving at the same time and teaching at the same time uh, in the same room. And the students are looking, uh, watching, learning mainly by observing um because the teachers are not talking or reducing their talking to a minimum uh and so this was uh organized in bern switzerland uh by um uh biggie uh and michael and i think the concept uh, uh they've been running big blues uh, for several years like this uh since starting working on it with uh judith uh, and biggie uh first organize it like that. Uh, so in 2018 I taught at the Blues with uh, Jenny Souden, Gabrielle Yu, Jessica Feldbauer, uh, myself with a four-person teaching team and in the past uh, three episodes I kind of went over the concept and then uh, told you what happened on uh, the uh, Saturday and what we did on the, the Sunday. And today I want to talk about lessons learned. So, um, first lesson, uh, and so these lessons learned are very much sort of my lessons learned, maybe something that uh, I think is a good thing, um, other teachers actually think uh, uh, of as a negative and vice versa. Uh, so it's a kind of very personal, uh, only my opinion lessons learned. Uh, my main lesson learned was uh, it totally works. Uh, I thought it was really efficient. Um, as uh, a way to uh, encourage change and uh, encourage moving towards um, blues aesthetic uh, in our students. Um, and I say this not necessarily as a particularly experienced uh, teacher, but as an experienced student, sort of taking classes and seeing um, in me and in my fellow students how much um, change there is on one day versus another um, from, from having taken a day of classes and one of my chief complaints about uh, classes is uh, a lot of them don't uh, seem to produce change uh, and that's maybe fine like not everyone has to continually become uh, a better dancer uh, and, and not every class has to help people become a better class dancer um, and even if a class does help people become a better dancer, everyone is free or not to kind of seize uh, the opportunity offered by that class or to just enjoy taking classes and finding out new things and interacting with people. Um, but yeah, uh, one of the things that motivates me is that uh, we were talking about it in teacher training last weekend. Um, I always think of it as uh, letting people become uh, the best version of themselves or helping people find that best version of themselves um, 
and someone phased it, uh, it might have been Michelangelo, as if you look at uh, this big piece of rock, there's a, there's a sculpture inside there. And his role is not so much as to turn the rock into the sculpture, but to, to, to discover uh, the sculpture that was hidden inside the whole time. Uh, so yeah, that's one of my chief motivations uh, uh, as a teacher. Uh, and so I like um, uh, seeing classes uh, where I see a difference. And the difference was totally there. You could see it on the social dance floor, um, that people were just moving more comfortably and more creatively um, and more gently and, and yeah. And, and, and it also helped that it was a pretty good crowd to start off with. Uh, like already Thursday night, I uh, thought, oh yeah, this is, this is, this is a really strong place uh, to start from. Uh, as um, a kind of temporary community of dancers. Uh, so I, I actually had sort of concerns that, well, if I don't get to explain a concept, how do we possibly learn that concept? Uh, and I also kind of imagined that we would get around it, that probably it would be a good thing, but it was a way better thing even than I thought. Uh, so one of the things uh, uh, I thought, oh, is people could improve uh, their, their grounding. And in this case, by grounding, I mean that uh, the movement in the whole body is related to the contact um, of the body uh, with, with the floor. Uh, other way of phrasing that might be that you take your energy from the floor uh, and it travels up through your body. Uh, and often sort of people's energy starts, in, and me first, the energy sort of starts in the upper body um, and then travels down to... Uh, the floor instead uh, or just doesn't travel between the floor and the upper body that's also one that's quite common uh, and I think a combination of what, what I did notice is that we didn't talk about grounding at all but some of the things that we did uh, the whole spending a first hour uh, on African pulses um, laid a good basis for that uh, and was, I mean, was deliberately chosen uh, as a thing that would help with that. But it really did, and it carried through, uh, kind of without having to, to tell people about it. Uh, and I think part of that is uh, because people uh, were then primed for learning from watching, is that they would see those features in our dancing, and so they would imitate it, and they... Because we're not pointing out features, they're having to imitate the whole body and not just the parts of the body that maybe we're pointing out, oh, we're doing this rhythm, oh, I'm moving my hips this way. It's like, oh, here's how my whole body's moving and you can see how I'm making it happen just by watching. Um, uh, and then necessarily you see how we're using uh, the ground to make that movement happen. And when you try to imitate it, you have to use the ground in the same way. Um, and another one of that is perhaps actually just not using words. Um, if you say, okay, I want you to be grounded. Uh, 40 people in a room, 40 different understandings of what I mean when I say that. Uh, uh, and very easy to think, oh, I am grounded. I don't need to work on that. And if you don't have that sort of preconceived notion that this is what we're going for, uh, you also won't have that preconceived, oh, it's good, I've got that, I don't need to work on it. Uh, and, and, and that carried over to 
the rhythms we did and also just the end up result which was instead of kind of watching people uh, sort of uh, reciting a lesson during social dancing where you're like oh I'm going to try this maneuvering close embrace that we learned in this specific pattern uh, we saw people dancing very freely and having a lot of fun with it uh, and I think that was also a feature uh, and then oh yeah the last thing is well as I said, eight hours of classes, probably we dance for seven solid hours of movement during those eight hours, maybe more. Uh, that's going to be more effective than kind of stopping and starting and only dancing maybe four hours out of the eight. Um, things that... Uh, yeah, no, I started with It Works. I don't really have a, a caveat to that. Uh, there are th some things that are a little bit more difficult. And I'll talk a bit about those. Uh, but I wouldn't say they, they don't work. It's just that they're interesting challenges that I think contribute to, to the solution as much as to the problem. Uh, so first challenge is uh, teachers. If, you if you're wanting to set this kind of thing up, uh, you're wanting to draw the benefits from it. Uh, I think having four teachers is really good. Uh, because students get to see the same movement across all four teachers. Um, and with four teachers you have enough of a variety of styles unless it's two teaching couples uh, that's maybe kind of more hegemonic is that the word I'm looking for? no um, maybe it is uh, just the idea that a single teaching couple probably has one uh, f honed philosophy as it were and then two teaching couples are kind of using their two honed philosophies um, Whereas four people are uh, bringing uh, four different uh, philosophies into play. Um, and it gives you that uh, diversity, but they're having to come together and figure out the diversity. One of the main complaints I have about camps like Harang is you have teach uh, classes from two to five teaching couples, I think, in a week. And they might have completely different ideas of what kind of thing they want you to do. And some of those ideas are commensurable. They can work with other ideas. And others are simply incommensurable. Like if you believe that um, uh, uh, follows should always come in on one on, in Lindy Hop. Uh, and that's what you teach as this is fundamentally what Lindy Hop is about. That's incommensurable with follows rock stepping on one. Uh, if you believe that followers should be able to do both, then you have some commensurability. And when we're teaching, we're teaching often, I find myself saying, this is a totally valid thing, but it's not what we're doing in this class. And kind of the, this being able to distinguish between what is a valid thing, but is not the thing in this class, and what is a thing that I do not uh, advise people to do, uh, is, is a pretty challenging one. So anyway, you have four people coming together and you get the benefits of that diversity, but they also have to coordinate and agree. Uh, to help the coordinating and agreeing, uh, having awesome people uh, is a really good start. Um, allowing the people to maybe uh, spend time building trust. Um, not because you don't sort of trust uh, people, but just so that you know have a little bit of an idea of how they react under stress uh, and have a bit of an idea that 
even if you're stressed out and not understanding what's going on because we're often not speaking during class and we think we've communicated what we're about to do but that's not what we had planned or not what the other person thought um, if you have that trust you can just let it go and uh, I felt everyone did an excellent job of doing that with uh, me when I was uh, kind of the uh, the the MC or the captain at, at any point if I did something that other people was like oh is that what we're doing um, that they, they, I felt people just went along with it uh, really um, uh, productively uh, and I really appreciated their having that trust in me I hope I had that trust in them uh, when the roles were reversed or well, I hope that was their experience um, and for people teaching together, there's there's an interesting set of dynamics happening, uh, and I think I got the. It felt to me like I got the easy end of the dynamics uh, because I, it was sort of more central in the relationships. Uh, like uh, I've taken lots of classes with uh, Jenny, um, spent some time at camps uh, uh, with her. Um, I've spent a lot of time training and taking classes, a bit less taking classes from, but a lot of time training with uh, Gabriel uh, and Jess is uh, my partner both in, in life and the main person I teach with. Uh, and so that meant that I had uh, kind of both strong uh, but also sort of more central relationships uh, with, uh, with everybody. Uh, and then that's the thing, you have four people, so you have uh, 12 mini two people relationships going on uh, and that's uh, or 16 no 12 uh, and so just that's that's or six yeah you divide them by two there's six anyways uh, of our six pairings uh, each of those it has its own little dynamic and its own bits of power dynamics uh, like uh, Jenny um, I was super intimidated teaching with Jenny and super at the same time kind of craving Jenny's approval more than that maybe of the other teachers but also not wanting to put that on her because um, uh, I assumed that she needed to um, have three equal teaching partners and not be the, the kind of leader of uh, the four of us. Uh, and I think she played that role in a, just a slight way, which was when we needed to move on in teacher prep. Uh, she was like, okay, let's move on. And when we sort of uh, got ourselves in a bit of a pickle with teaching, uh, I think we relied a lot on her experience to get us out of it. Uh, it's like, okay, we can fix this, let's do this. Uh, uh, and I, I think each of us played our role, really had uh, different roles uh, in that that really worked out. Uh, like Jess uh, during class planning, uh, I noticed doing a lot of emotional labor to make sure that everyone felt like they had had an opportunity to voice their opinion. Uh, whereas I'm usually more happy just to bulldoze through uh, and if people want to express an opinion, well, they better bulldoze back at me, uh, which is not always the most productive. Anywho, yeah, um, uh, we had a great team. Uh, I'm not sure how the instructions have a great team uh, are conducive, but uh, definitely uh, give people space to get to know each other, give them space, uh, ideally paid space, uh, to uh, class prep, uh, which is what we had. Um, and that's about what we've got time for for this week. So 
once again, I kind of over-recorded and now I'm cutting in uh, to just conclude this part. Uh, so today I talked essentially about lessons learned uh, from a kind of organizing the teacher's perspective. Um, going hopefully not too much into detail of how the, the, the sausage is made. Uh, and, and in next episode I will um, wrap up with a few, few more thoughts on how um, uh, on multiple per people teaching and then move on to uh, kind of what I think of as the, the pedagogical section, just how uh, being four teachers uh, affects um the uh, or how the format affects the teaching and what kind of teaching things work well um versus differently versus uh, are more difficult to do and some of the challenges there uh so stay tuned let me know how you think i'm sorry for this is getting so episodic and so many episodes on the same topic um but i do also want to kind of keep them short and when i hit that 30 minute mark i'm like ah ah Better, better cut off uh, and separate it into two episodes. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Until then, take care.